Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. With divided government, what are the political realities? The president is increasingly frustrated. I want to try to cut through the noise. Politically, this is devastating. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli, the insiders, the influencers, the insights. It is no secret that I care a lot about the consumers. There are real questions about big tech. We still have more leverage to use with the tariffs. I think we could do with a little less drama from the White House. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Happy Tuesday, folks. Are you ready for the snow? It's going to start tomorrow in the early morning hours. But here in Washington, D.C., talk still about the U.S.-Mexico border wall. And now California leading the way in states that are going against the U.S. government. And they're going to they filed a lawsuit that will challenge President Trump's authority to deliver a wall along the U.S.-Mexico border. We're going to get into all of that with an all-star panel. Ryan Williams, Republican strategist and executive vice president at Targeted Victory, as well as Dave Brown. He is a Democratic strategist and former advisor to Senator Patty Murray. In addition to that, we focus on the 2020 presidential election. What does President Trump have to say about Senator Bernie Sanders? But first, let's get a check on those headlines with Nancy Lyons. Nancy. Thanks, Kevin. As you mentioned, President Trump believes he will prevail over a multi-state lawsuit challenging his emergency declaration to pay or a US Mexico for a US Mexico border wall. I have an absolute right to call national security. We need strong borders. We have to stop drugs and crime and criminals and human trafficking and we have to stop all of those things that a strong wall will stop. Trump was speaking with reporters at the White House. Virginia and Maryland are among the 16 states filing suit. A federal judge today ordered Trump advisor Roger Stone to appear in court to consider whether to revoke his bail after he posted a photo on Instagram of the judge with what appeared to be crosshairs of a gun. U.S. District Judge Amy Berman Jackson says Stone must show for the hearing on Thursday and prove why she should not modify or revoke his bail or implement a full gag order in his case. Well, now is the time to stock up on the usual supplies like bread and milk, because by this time tomorrow we will see some snow. Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn has more on when this storm is expected to arrive. Nancy, the snow looks to arrive. 
About 5 o'clock tomorrow morning, the winter storm warning goes into effect at 1 in the morning. I think the biggest impact will be on tomorrow morning's commute because it'll be snowing. That's going to slow everybody getting into work. He says tomorrow afternoon's commute could be rough as well, with much of the snow turning to slush. By Thursday, the temperatures will be warming up again. Three months into his second term, Maryland Governor Larry Hogan continues to enjoy a high approval rating, but that's not necessarily translating into a desire that he run for president. The latest Goucher College poll shows 85% of Marylanders find Hogan likable, 80% like how he's running the state government, 70% consider him honest and trustworthy. Two out of three Maryland residents in this poll disapprove of President Trump's job performance, though at the same time, 55% think Hogan should not mount a primary challenge against him. Nathan Hager, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. The D.C. Council has given final approval to a bill to fast-track sports betting in the city. The vote was 8-4. to four. The company that runs the city's lottery program, Intralot, will also run the sports betting. You may be able to place your bets as early as this fall. Time now for the Beltway Business Report. Here is Bloomberg's Larry Kosky. Well, Nancy, it was a narrowly higher day on Wall Street. Consumer shares provided support on stellar earnings from Walmart. The Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 8. The S&P 500 rose 4. The Nasdaq Composite added 14. It was a Merry Christmas season for Walmart, and investors celebrated. The retailer turned in its best holiday quarter in at least a decade, with same-store sales climbing 4.2%. Walmart shares gained more than 2%. Baltimore is suing Monsanto and two other companies, accusing them of polluting city waterways. The legal effort focuses on pollution from PCBs. Baltimore alleges Monsanto knew its PCBs were toxic and didn't degrade in nature. The FAA is investigating what it calls Southwest Airlines' widespread miscalculation of the weight of checked bags on its flights. Baggage and weight balance affect calculations such as fuel requirements and takeoff and landing speeds. The Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. area stock index ended little changed. You're up to date on business from the Beltway to Baltimore. I'm Larry Kofsky. This is Bloomberg 99.1. 105.7 FM HD2. Thanks, Larry. Global News 24 hours a day on air and at TikTok on Twitter, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Nancy Lyons. Back to you, Kevin. Thank you, Nancy. And that snow is coming tonight, three to five inches starting, uh, I believe, in the early morning hours. So everybody get ready for that. Uh, but busy day here in Washington along the U.S.-Mexico border. Now uh, other states are suing this White House. They're saying that, well, the president doesn't have the constitutional authority to declare a national emergency. The president, as he said in that press conference on Friday at the Rose Garden, he says, bring it on. He's ready for a legal battle. And Democrats say the same thing. How does the politics impact the policy? We're going to get into all of that. Plus, the latest developments uh, regarding the 2020 presidential election. President Trump had some interesting comments about self-described Democratic Socialist Senator Bernie Sanders. Uh, And we're also going to get into what President Trump has to say responding to a New York Times report that he uh, asked for Matthew Whitaker to be in charge of, uh, or to change, really, some hush money payments. All of that coming up. We have an all-star panel. Ryan Williams, friend of the program, Republican strategist and executive vice president at Targeted Victory Fund. Ryan, congrats on the new job. Thank you. It's official. 
It is official. How are things going over there? Very, very well. I'm really enjoying my time at Targeted Victory. Good. Dave Brown, Democratic strategist and former advisor to Senator Patty Murray. And you were all, where are you? You're at? Uh, Brunswick. Brun- okay. My day job. All right. So, uh, Dave, thanks for, for being here. So what do you make of all of these states, California leading the way, uh, to, to sue the White House to say President Trump doesn't have the legal authority uh, to build his wall? Yeah, I mean, this is this is not a surprise. We we saw this coming. Governors have telegraphed this. And, and frankly, I think it plays to a certain extent into the president's hands because this now gives him a talking point all the way through 2020. I mean, the wall has been uh, a, a key issue for him, for his base since he ran. And now that there's a protracted legal battle, this gives him a foil to continue to talk about immigration. Right. I actually think in a way, politically, if you're the White House, you think that these lawsuits help you. Yeah, look, I mean, he couldn't get anything done in Congress on this. He had to do something to appease his base, and now he declares the emergency. And, you know, as you pointed out now, he's got a foil. You know, he's got, he has Democratic governors trying to sue him to stop the wall. Um, this will go to the courts. This is not unexpected. There'll be a court decision at some point. If it goes in his favor, he can say, I'm building the wall. If it doesn't, he can blame the courts. He can blame the governors and say, this is why I need to be reelected in 2020 to keep pushing this. So it gives him someone to blame since he couldn't get the, the wall done in Congress. See, I was struck by this. Kelly O'Donnell at the Rose Garden from NBC News, she asked President Trump about this. Uh, and, and I thought it was a really interesting question because it really kind of got him to say something that perhaps he wasn't, I don't want to say wasn't prepared to say, but she asked him point blank if 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 he was disappointed in Speaker Paul Ryan, former Speaker of the House Paul Ryan, for not dealing with immigration uh, earlier. And Ryan, I, I have to be honest here, for Republicans, you might disagree with their policy, but for Republicans, that moment, yes, they didn't have a supermajority in the Senate, but that moment to get some type of immigration reform done really seems to have pass them by. Right. But look, I I think it's wrong to blame Paul Ryan for that. He had a very, very um, divided caucus on many issues while he was speaker, and he managed to bring them together on big issues that did take a lot of time in that two-year period, like tax reform, which they got done. So I think the president was wrong to scapegoat the speaker. And um, you know, even member, members of his base, like uh, Ann Coulter said, that was not the right approach either, and said it was Really, his lack of leadership that resulted in not getting things done. I actually, I actually agree with with that. I mean, I, I think I think Speaker Ryan's challenge was was the Freedom Caucus and the fact that he couldn't command a majority of his caucus when it came to immigration reform. And you know, when I served in the Senate in 2013, and the Senate actually passed immigration reform, and Democrats and Republicans came together, it was a bipartisan package. It died in the House, and there again with Speaker Boehner, uh, he like like. Paul Ryan, unable to bring together the much more, I think, fr- fractious sort of uh, very conservative um, hardliners who, who, frankly, I think, Democrats think, are outside of the mainstream on immigration. But for Paul Ryan, he was in, he was in a bind. I mean, that was a pretty tough spot for him to be. And you can't do it piece by piece. It has to be comprehensive. There's I, so I many right. different pe- views on immigration that you can't do it just a wall and nothing else. Dave Brown, Democratic strategist and former advisor to Senator Patty Murray, Ryan Williams, Republican strategist and AVP at Targeted Victory, our panel for the hour. We're talking about President Trump now facing legal hurdles on his declaration of a national emergency to get about $8 billion to build the wall. Now, the budget agreement that funded the government in the short term 
allocated him about $1.37 billion. He had originally called for $5.6. But I, I, I got to be honest, privately, when I talked to senior sources at the White House, they were really preparing to go this twofer approach the whole time. They knew that they weren't going to get the money from Congress as much as they had hoped. And they were carefully laying the groundwork for there to be also a legal pursuit. But I, I want to play for you what President Trump said earlier today about the state of the legal affairs. Here's President Trump. I actually think we might do very well even in the Ninth Circuit because it's an open and closed case. I was put here for security. So, Dave, I mean, the president is saying essentially bring it on. Right. No? Right. I mean, I, I also think that's the first time he's ever said something nice about the Ninth Circuit. I know, so, right? I mean, like, <laughs> not sure what's in the water at the White House today. That's uh, that's crazy. Um, no, look, I mean, he's saying bring it on. I think he feels probably a bit emboldened after the the um, battle that he he waged in the courts when it came to the immigration ban. And this is a White House that is very comfortable flexing uh, its executive authority. I mean, the irony here is that the much like President Obama and, and even President Bush before, you know, increasingly as Congress becomes more fractured, more partisan, more ineffective in executing its core Article One duties, the presidency has has grown in power because they're executing an agenda through through regulation and through those inherent powers. So I think the president. A, feels emboldened here, and B, probably thinks that he has a very strong case when it comes to an, a core national security argument, which is within the ambit of his Article II responsibilities. But see, what's fascinating is that he, the president said this a little bit on his press conference uh, on Friday. He did lay the groundwork of he wants to have some type of debate on comprehensive immigration reform. Last week on our show, we had Jay Timmons on. He, of course, is the CEO of the National Association of Manufacturers, and they're putting out comprehensive type of immigration reform. But given the lay of the land here in domestic politics, where you've got virtually every top tier Democratic senator in Iowa and New Hampshire on the weekends, I'm not sure that there's really any impetus to get some type of meaningful, comprehensive immigration reform done between now and 2020. Actually, Senator Kamala Harris was campaigning over the weekend, and she weighed in on all of this. Here's Senator Harris. We have a president of the United States who has created a fiction about a crisis at the border, and he has held up the United States government and its workers around his vanity project called a wall. That was that was Senator Kamala Harris uh, speaking in her first trip in New Hampshire yesterday at a Democratic presidential candidate uh, forum. So, so Ryan, Democrats are saying that this is a van. Well, Senator Harris calls it a vanity project. But if you look at the seventy thousand voters who flipped from Obama to Trump, you know, I mean, is that that might help in a primary, but is it going to help in a general? Um, look, the, she calls it a vanity project. The president made a promise to get this wall done. So whether you agree with him or didn't agree with him, he ran on this. And this is what his, his platform was, the basis of his platform. So he's doing what he said he was going to do, whether you agree with him or not. The, the approach, I mean, we can debate that. The courts will, will weigh in on it. Um, but it is he, he wants to show his voters that, um, that unlike you know, in his view, some of his predecessors, he's keeping his word. But we're not going to see comprehensive immigration reform anytime soon. I, I agree that we're not going to see comprehensive immigration reform. Where, where I disagree, the president's keeping his word to his base. But the problem with that is that 
super majorities of Americans don't support this wall. They didn't support it in terms of a shutdown. They didn't think that was important enough. They agree on the need for border security, but they don't like the way this president's gone about doing that. And so the president is fulfilling a promise to his base. But the problem is his base is diminishing. He's not growing his base. He, it's shrinking. And, and you, all you have to do is look at 2018, the midterms, even looking at you know Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, three states that gave him the presidency in terms of the Electoral College. Uh, where are you from, by the way? Seattle. Okay, because so yeah, I, like I sense like a Philly accent. And <laughs> my, I'm like, dad's, my dad's from, from Pennsylvania. Okay, I'm from Philly. So, I mean, that's why I was like, there's, I, I mean, maybe Seattle and Philly, maybe there's maybe there's more in common there. Coming up, we talk more about the wall, of course. Can't go in, can't go a show without talking about the wall, as well as trade policy. And we get back to 2020. What does President Trump have to say about Bernie Sanders relaunching his presidential ambitions? Panel stays Ryan Williams, Republican strategist and EVP at Targeted Victory, as well as Dave Brown, Democratic strategist and former advisor to Senator Patty Murray. Remember, folks, you can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also check us out on Radio.com and on iHeartRadio. The show, the snow is coming. Get ready. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Happy Tuesday, folks. Are you ready for the snow? Are your kids going to have off from school tomorrow? Two-hour delay? We're, I'm, we'll be on. <laughs> I'm Kevin Cerilli, Bloomberg News TV and Radio Chief Washington Correspondent. We were talking earlier about the lawsuits and the legal challenges that President Trump faces with his declaration of a national emergency. Both Democrats and Republicans say that they're going to win in a court. We'll have to leave it up to the courts. Ryan Williams is a Republican strategist and EVP at Targeted Victory. Dave Brown is a Democrat strategist and former advisor to Senator Patty Murray. You all, you also cannot watch like Fox or Fox Business without seeing Dave Brown, the Democratic strategist. You and my friend Capri Cafaro are like <laughs> the Democrats of, on Fox News World. What is that like to go on Fox as the Democrat? It's it's uh it's interesting. I, I get some interesting. Uh, it's a good word. <laughs> I get I get some really sweet uh, tweets from from loyal viewers uh, who have really constructive things to say about about my point of view. Really? Yeah. What's like? Yeah, I can't. Imagine. You probably don't want to ask me on. I actually do a thing. Say. I have a rule. Like I, I made a New Year's resolution that not to look at Twitter at when you after you go on air. I mean, it's kind, it's, it's kind of toxic. It's, it's a little toxic. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what is not toxic as of now is U.S.-China trade talks. How's that for a pivot, <laughs> Christine Barada, executive, uh, our, our producer, our managing producer? Uh, the, the Chinese delegation is set to be in the U.S. this week, Ryan, and they were the traders, as President Trump calls them, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin, as well as U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer, they were there last week in China. And everybody wants to know when President Trump and when President Xi Jinping will finally come face to face. And the president says he wants to hammer out a deal personally with President Xi. Uh, but President Trump was talking about this earlier today, Ryan. I want to play for you what the president said about U.S.-China trade relations, and then I want to get your response. Take a listen. They're going to have very detailed discussions on subjects that have never really been even discussed by people that sat in this chair, and they should have been very important subjects, and I think we're doing very well. Are we doing very well? We don't know. Um, there's a lot of uh, presidential tweets and statements about how well the negotiations are going, but we don't have an agreement yet, and I, I don't think we're going to 
have a she and Trump meeting until we're, we're very close. I think that's at the end of the process if there is an agreement. But look, both sides want to win. Um, I, I think the Chinese are their economy is um, is somewhat sluggish now. I think they are feeling the effects of of the uh, the tariffs. Maybe that forces them into a deal. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe they try to wait it out and see what happens in in the twenty twenty uh, election. And if there's a you know, changing course, if Trump does not win re-election, we don't know. Um, and we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Okay, so I was struck by this, uh, Dave, about how the president said he wants to invite Democrats to accompany him with his meeting with President Xi. If you were advising House Speaker Nancy Pelosi or Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, would you tell them, yeah, you, you should totally go with President Trump and to, to meet with President Xi? Well, first, I would, I would make sure that the president doesn't cancel the speaker's Air Force plane again because that wasn't very nice. Um, look, I no, I don't think that a Demo- Ryan is also laughing at that for what it's worth. <laughs> I don't think a Democrat uh, gets anything by by being with the president for a photo op uh, when the president's meeting with with President Xi uh, on on a trade debate that he opened that he declared and, and really he staked his his legacy and in some respect actually not some in many respects his reelection on. I, I don't think that there is an interest there for Democrats to, to be party to that, especially because, um, you know, what the president likely will do is declare some kind of victory. He has to have a victory, right, whether it's cosmetic or real. And so from a purely political perspective, setting policy out of this for a second, the political optics of that, he's got to own that. There's, there's, there's no upside to Democrats taking some of the pressure off of him by standing in that photo op. And but from a that. policy standpoint, there's a lot of nonpartisan consensus on China's issues. I mean, you've got intellectual property. You've got a host of different uh, issues that, that even people like Senator Mark Warner, a Democrat from Virginia, he, he wants to see some type. He's worked with Senator Marco Rubio, a Republican from Florida, on issues pertaining uh, to national security. But, but, Ryan, is Dave right in the sense that President Trump does want a political victory and it would be like a, a home run if he could convince Democrats to go over there with him and deliver a deal. Well, I mean, any president uh, delivering on a campaign promise is a, you know, a political victory. And I think every everybody would want that. Look, there's a lot of bipartisan support for um, holding China accountable. You've got people like Sherrod Brown in Ohio, who for many years has been kind of on this whole China. Bernie Sanders even has been on this Um but I think the president himself is is issues aside is personally too toxic with Democrats for them to go support him on really anything right now, especially if they're considering running for president, someone like a Sherrod Brown. So while there may be some common ground on the actual policy proposal, I don't think you're going to see many Democrats lining up behind the president on really anything right now. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I, I do think it is interesting within the Democratic Party, There's there's been a bit of a shift where, you know, historically you've had a lot of folks who have been who have been skeptical of, of free trade, and on the Republican side, traditionally, you've had folks who are far more um, in favor of, of free trade. And there's been a bit of a paradigm shift, and and really, I think a lot of Republicans, particularly those who are in Congress right now, having to react to a president who doesn't share and didn't run on uh, their traditional beliefs about free trade. And so that that divide also playing out on the Democratic side. I agree in terms of pointing out Senator Sanders, Senator Brown, but I think your point's well taken that it's just so toxic. The president's made this about him in a way where it really really politically is impossible for Democrats, especially Democrats running for president, to ever explain to a primary voter and, why they And he's not really included these Democrats right. that are with him in the process. That's you right. look back at other bipartisan initiatives in the past, George Bush with Ted Kennedy, No Child Left Behind, 
We really haven't seen that. With Trump, it's Criminal all— Criminal justice reform. Well, that was more Kim Kardashian than any Democrat. <laughs> well, you know, Kim K, <laughs> President Trump, Nancy Pelosi. Coming up, we talk not about Kim Kardashian, but about the 2020 presidential race. We talked a little bit about Sher Brown. He's actually my dark horse right now. I think Senator Sher Brown, Democrat from Ohio, and your guy. Well, I guess not really, but your neck of the woods, Senator Jeff Merkley. I think I think he could senator. be I think he could be I think he's like a another one. We're going to talk more about the 2020 presidential field, Merkley, Brown, and Bernie coming up with our all-star panel, Ryan Williams, Republican strategist, Dave Brown, Democratic strategist. And remember folks, you can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at bloomberg.com or get the Bloomberg Business app. It's a great app. You can also check us out on radio.com and on iHeartRadio. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services and claims, The Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. This is Sound On. We need different leadership. There's isn't any question about it. We choose truth over lies. I said I would take a hard look after the election. I will not be a candidate for president in 2020. Keep America great. Keep America great. Soon. I on 2020 with Kevin Cirilli. I gotta say, I love that music. It's the tw- our 2020 segment preview music. And I-, I can't believe we're already talking about the 2020 presidential election race, especially when news out of Washington is just so complex and policy-driven, especially in these times with Democrats challenging the legality of President Trump's declaration of a national wall. He wants $8 billion, folks, to build that wall. It's going to end up in the courts. And the Chinese delegation here in the U.S. this week to meet with Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin to continue hammering out those details of the world's two largest economies negotiating on trade deals. But you can't ignore the fact that over the holiday weekend, virtually everyone in the very crowded presidential campaign field for the Democratic primary They were out campaigning. Ryan Williams is a Republican strategist. Dave Brown is a Democratic strategist. And Arit John is one of my good, dear friends and Bloomberg colleagues. And I just saw her wandering past the studio. And you were in New Hampshire. She's a Bloomberg congressional reporter. Covered the Sanders campaign in the last uh, presidential cycle. We became buddies when I was the Trump campaign reporter. Sleep-deprived friends, right? Very much so. And now it's all starting all over again. Yeah, more sleep de- deprivation, more driving, crisscrossing <laughs> across the country. Um, I saw five presidential candidates in New Hampshire over five the weekend. Five presidential candidates? Okay, who'd you see? Senator uh, Kirsten Gillibrand. Um, I saw Tulsi Gabbard, um, Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, and Amy Klobuchar. Okay, let's start at the top. 
who or who first of all how did they all do what did what did you notice as you're as you're going through all this one thing i noticed is that cory booker really commands a crowd he has this very sweeping stump speech about basically connecting the march on selma to the activist who helped his family buy a home in a white community, to him being able to go to Stanford, and how all of that is interconnected. The personal story. Yes, and he talks about restoring civic grace, getting people excited about acting in democracy, acting for democracy, making the world, the country, a better place. Sounds like Make America Great Again. And Just kidding. Okay. A nicer version of that. <laughs> a, maybe. a much nicer progressive version of that. What about Senator Klobuchar? She has this whole, like, Midwestern thing. It was interesting. She was there for her CNN town hall, and she did an event beforehand. She comes in in, like, khakis and, like, a plaid shirt, very, like, folksy. Folksy. Yeah, she met with voters at a bar. She talked about – she referenced her – her announcement speech in Minnesota, basically everywhere she goes, she brings the snow. It snowed when she was in Iowa. Definitely snowed the day she was in New Hampshire. Um, And she – I mean, her whole thing is that, like – you know, I'm going to tell you the truth. Like, Medicare for all sounds nice, but, like, we can't. Now, she said she was not for free college for all. Right. She Like, that was a hard no. Medicare for all is like, well, maybe, but, like, this is what we can do right now. Right now, we can help refinance student loans. Right now, we can, like, lower the Medicare buy-in age to 50. So she, I mean, it depends on are voters going to go for that or do they want to hear um, Kamala Harris and Cory Booker How did Senator Harris do? Senator Harris has some star power. Yeah, I think I know um, she had like an, an OTR, like an like a surprise stop by a restaurant, and a woman who walked in and found out she was there freaked out. She was so excited. She was telling her kids like she's a strong woman. I'm really excited for her. Um, people sort of flocked to her, and they she had a, a town hall in Portsmouth. Um, Portsmouth, a, I miss Portsmouth. It's so beautiful. Out there. They have a really good place with soft pretzels there. It's a, it's a very for what it's worth. <laughs> Back to Senator Harris. Go ahead. Right. I mean, she. So she seems like she's drawing the biggest crowds right now. Yeah, and and Tulsi Gabbard was the last one. Yes. Tulsi. She surfs in her free time. Fun fact about Tulsi Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah, and also interesting. She was one of Senator Bernie Sanders' biggest surrogates. Really. Last summer. Yeah, I remember seeing her introduce him at events, and people were excited about her. And now her whole stump speech is about. She really draws on her military background on wanting to get America out of these foreign wars. And she talked about the missile text alert that happened in Hawaii last year and how people were lowering their children into manholes because they thought that there was going to be a uh, nuke. Avrit John is Bloomberg News political reporter, also just covered five presidential candidates. What were the people like who are in New Hampshire, are they just like, is it overkill? Is it too soon? Or are they excited? Or, you know, like if you're just trying to have a soft pretzel at a Portsmouth brewery and all of a sudden in walks Senator Kamala Harris, are are you like, not yet, not yet, Democratic presidential candidates? The cool thing about people in New Hampshire is that they take their role as like first primary uh, state very seriously. So people, I talked to people who'd gone to see multiple candidates over the weekend, maybe not as many as I had to, but <laughs> they saw a lot of people, they were listening, but nobody was decided on, like no one I talked to was decided and said, I'm supporting this person. They, at best, they were leaning towards one candidate, but they wanted to see what other people were saying. And this was before Sanders got into the race. We still don't know what Biden's going to do. So people are interested, they're listening, they're going to events, but nobody is Nobody is set in yeah. stone yet. Still too, still too soon. Arit John, uh, my good friend, thank you. This is the first time you've been on. 
Yes. Thank you. It means a lot. And especially after your whirlwind of a holiday weekend, five presidential candidates, uh, and maybe one of them will be president. Uh, Coming up, we get more into the 2020 presidential election race. Let's just stick with that because there's so much to dissect with our all-star panel. Ryan Williams, Republican strategist, as well as Dave Brown, Democratic strategist. Remember, folks, you can download the Sound On podcast after the show on Apple iTunes. Subscribe to it. Click subscribe as well as at Bloomberg.com. You can check out Arit's reporting from over the weekend and download the Bloomberg Business app. Also check us out on Radio.com and iHeartRadio. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. You guys ready for the snow? It's a coming. Three to five inches starts in the middle of the night. Uh, Already some schools are closed. Uh... We have an all-star panel, Ryan Williams, Republican strategist, Dave Brown, Democratic strategist. Did you guys have any traditions when you were a kid? Like, I would always, always cross my fingers. Some people, like, slept with their pajamas inside out to get a snow day. No. I'm from right outside of Boston, and we didn't get too many snow days. We'd get a foot oh. and a half of snow, Spoken and we'd like still go to school. Spoken like a true Patriots fan. Not like around <laughs> here where you get an inch, and then the whole city shuts down. Wow, Ryan. Just, like, <laughs> crush the hopes so, of children everywhere. I just always made sure to to like ambush my little brother so that he was just covered in snow and and you know he he would just be angry and then he would try to retaliate but I would be gone I have to be honest I had a monopoly in the Delco block of all of the houses and I I I, I've since given it away but I (laughs) I made bank every time it snowed I made bank because I would shovel like three driveways then I would go sledding down this hill okay enough about the snow talk but it's coming and you're right Ryan Get to Trader Joe's early because those lines are going to be like a complete mess. Um, I'll all be headed there after to get everything done. Uh, we were talking about 2020 with my friend to reach on, uh, Bloomberg uh, politics reporter. She was up in New Hampshire over the holiday weekend, like five presidential Democrats uh, candidates uh, campaigning. Who do, you, who do you think has positioned themselves, Dave, as a strong candidate? So I think a couple people have really jumped out. Admittedly, it was still like early, early days. I think Senator Klobuchar uh, is is a very interesting. Really, one. here's why. Here's why. Heartland Economics. She's unafraid to say no, and to say we can't afford that. And so she is, by definition, differentiating herself from from a, a bunch of other candidates who who are really following the Senator Sanders path, which is more narrative, pie in the sky. You know, Hillary Clinton famously called. Senator Sanders sort of campaign the big simple idea, which you can you can infer as being pejorative, but also what he's so effective at is just laying out this vision. But he never answers the question how we're going to pay for it. Much the same way actually that, that Trump with Make America Great just captured an imagination. Klobuchar is going a different route. She's she's differentiating herself because she's saying, "Hey, I, I'm not a genie. I can't wave a magic a pragmatist. wand." Pragmatist, a pragmatist. But she's also not pragmatic in a boring way. She's also like saying, "I come from the heartland." The states that, that Donald Trump carried, the Democrats lost, those are states that I can win in. And so she's also making an argument implicitly saying, I am electable, I can beat this guy. How does she get past all these reports that say she's a bad boss? I think that's sexist. Look, I served in the Senate. I mean, the idea that that a, a female senator is going to be held to a different standard than a male senator in terms of being demanding and have high expectations of excellence, I mean, come on, that's just not fair. Right. I think it's kind of outrageous to make the uh, that attack on her. I, and I've had some tough bosses over the years. and. You just deal with it. I don't, I, you know, from what I've read, it does seem like it's slanted against her. Dave was asking in the break, and it's a good question. Do you think Trump gets a, a serious no. 
No? No. What do you think the defining issue is going to be for Democrats? Because I do think it's interesting, to Dave's point, that Senator Klobuchar is saying, there's no way we can just give away college for free. But can you get elected if if you don't, if you're just the, the pride, like what, what's her idea? You know what I mean? I, I think in a campaign, Trump's idea was the wall. And arguably, it, he was also against, he would say, he was, I don't want to relitigate 2016, but that he was against the Iraq war. And, and he tried to separate himself from a very crowded field. So what, you know what Senator Bernie Sanders uh, stands for. Uh, and in fact, he spoke about it when he, when he announced his rerunning is that a word? Rerunning? When he relaunched, Kevin relaunched his presidential campaign over the weekend. Here's Senator Bernie Sanders. Take a listen. We are running against a president who is a pathological liar, a fraud, a racist, a sexist, a xenophobe, and someone who is undermining American democracy as he leads us in an authoritarian direction. Well, Dave. I'm not sure what the senator thinks on that particular <laughs> point. Um, you know, look, he, he the gloves are off, and I think I think what 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 Bernie Sanders stands for, people know. I mean, you look at his name ID with among among Democratic primary voters, and he's, he has a really high name ID because people do know what he stands for, and, and his advisors would tell you that that he doesn't have to answer the the technical details of how he's going to pay for proposals because he's instead charting a path. He's laying out a set of values, and I think your point about how does Amy Klobuchar differentiate herself from that. It's a good question. She, she, she's going to have to answer it. She's going to have to find a way forward. Sherrod Brown, is, yeah. is, is, if he jumps in, he's, he's going to answer that question in part what you're already seeing thematically when he talks about the dignity of work. He's really sort of creating a narrative in that sense, and I think Amy Klobuchar will have to do something similar. All right. President Trump was asked about Bernie Sanders, and I'm going to let the president speak for himself. Here he is. Personally, I think he missed his time, but I like Bernie. Ryan, President Trump likes Bernie. Yeah, I, you know, I don't disagree with him. I do think he missed his time. I think his time was last time. He probably would have, you know, run a stronger general election campaign than Hillary Clinton. He didn't have as much baggage, even though he's a socialist. Um, he didn't have as much historical baggage as she did. So, you know, I that's Trump has a way of finding a weakness with people and exploiting it, and I think that's probably his weakness with Bernie. You is said that he's, I, I has run already. You said the S word, Dave. Do you think that the American electorate can differentiate socialism as it exists in other countries, in Venezuela, uh, from the democratic socialism that we've seen emerge in the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortezes of the world, Senator Sanders's of the world? Can, can, they, can they successfully make the case to voters that American socialism would be different than other forms of, of more awful socialism. Well, first I'd like to see TV pundits even define what socialism means before we we answer the question of whether voters can differentiate. I mean, no, but but look, but if you look at what the president we actually uh, I, you know, we're going to have to leave it there cuz we're up against a hard break and I totally lost track of time. I want to thank our panel. You can check us out on Apple iTunes. Dave, I am going to have you back Thanks. and you're going to define socialism. <laughs> I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 991. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. 
Learn how the Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.